The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. Your, I, we probably could have used an extra day on the weekend, friend, just because I probably spent too much time outside enjoying beautiful weather. That has been your weather report for the day. Uh, today, I am joined by Deputy Editor of Hale Varsity, Aaron Sorensen. Aaron, how are you? I'm good. I am glad that the, well, I will be honest, the Nebraska temperatures right now, we're not really getting a spring. It's basically just straight in the summer. So I keep seeing like the possibility of like some nice, like 65, 70 degree weather days. And I'm like, fingers crossed for that because we, I'd like to open my windows for at least like a moment before we get into like 90 degree weather. So I saw you on, it was on TikTok because you are also a blossoming TikTok star um, mm-hmm. that and you am. said you are, and you said that you would like to open your windows. And that day, it was really funny. And I almost texted you this that day. It was like 90 something degrees and the window that is right next to me was wide open. Like I opened the windows it, like as soon as it gets sunny and warm, am I a weirdo for that? Like is how that, hot does your house get? Oh, it gets warm. I I am constantly yelled at for having the house like it'll be because I'll turn the AC off, open all the windows on like a 97 degree day and just sit in here warm. Oh, my gosh. No, nope. I I don't mind it getting warmer like during the day. I can't handle that at night at all. But like there is a limit, Greg, there's a limit. So (laughs) we, we will need to have a conversation about your uh window like how when you're opening we need to set like a okay when it gets over this temperature you not open the windows go sit outside (laughs) no see that's the other thing that is weird to me so are you an outside do you ever go work outside like Mm -hmm. take your laptop see not if it's super super hot though well yeah not if it's super hot just like if it's nice and sunny and it's 73 with a light breeze like you'll go out and and just sit outside more yeah yeah i can't i can't do that like i find that distracting and i'm just like watching the birds fly by and like it's no it's just not for me so okay so we have determined that my workflow and house temperature situation are weird it's fine it's fine and your cereal eating habits but we are not here (laughs) to talk about that no no today no this is not the point of this podcast uh to roast me and my my various weird habits um we are here to talk about a wide variety of, of sports topics related to college football today actually before we get to coach speak i've got a fantastic opportunity for you to work for a rapidly growing company that enjoys the benefits earned with having a competitive stable history of over 20 years, FCS Edge. FCS Edge is a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe, including European Patent Office, the German Trademark and Patent Office, plus the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Their team is constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out available jobs today at www.jobs.fsc.com. That's www.jobs.fsc.com. 
Now, each each week we'll have something that a coach, player, or talking head said, and then we'll give you the straight-up breakdown of what they meant. Coach, speak to real talk. Um, now, this week comes courtesy of two coaches, actually, um, down south in the SEC, because we can't get enough of Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin kind of going back and forth. Now, Nick Saban uh, was on the Paul Feinbaum show, I believe, last week, and he had this to say, quote, one of the things that I'd like to see us be able to work back to is everything in college football always had parity which is bizarre for him to say, but we'll get to that. Uh, Lane Kiffin then came back on Twitter, of course, and said, I love the GOAT, uh, but Coach, are you feeling okay? And then his next tweet was just perfect. He said, quote, Paul, did you tell him what that word means? Parity equals the state of conditioning of being equal, especially regarding status or pay. So, Aaron, what does all this fun mean? Let's break that down. Uh, well, first and foremost, I'm glad to see and I'm glad to know that the ever-evolving relationship between Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin is as strong as ever. That is one where, like, it's so – like, I, I remember those photos of Lane Kiffin on the sideline with Nick Saban, and it looked like Nick was always so annoyed with Lane. But clearly they have a good oh. working relationship with one another. Um, yeah, so – I'm just reading. So I will be honest with you, Greg. I last week for a lot of personal reasons kind of stepped away from social media. So I feel like I am catching up on so many random stories that I just like missed in this whole thing. But I do love that Lane Kiffin is basically like trying to educate Nick Saban (laughs) on what parody means. Um, I I thought that was like maybe my favorite part was like honestly what Lane Kiffin should have done is gotten like one of the like one of the dictionary Twitter accounts mm-hmm. to help him out here because sometimes they can be really shady. Yes. Um. So the thing that I agree, I'm like just reading his quote again. I mean, <laughs> it's so great. Uh, I it's just kind of one of those things where like. I can understand what Nick Saban is trying to say, and I can understand what he was trying to say with the use of the word parody, but that becomes the idea that all things were already equal, which we know that they weren't. So then it becomes this question of like, what is equal in college football? What has been equal in college football? It's a much bigger thing than just to say, I want parity in this sport, because for me, it's not even about the definition of parity. It's like, what exactly, what exactly do you want? Like for all the people who are now saying we need to get back to what it was, what are we like? And I'm not saying Nick Saban said that, but like, you know what I mean? Like there's been a lot of like talking points lately. That's like, I miss the way things were, or, or we have to get back to this, or I'd love to see more parody. I'd love to see this. And my one question for everybody when they have that conversation is what exactly do you mean? Right. Like, what is it that you are asking for? Um, because I would argue that there is not parody in most college athletics. And I'm not just talking football. I know the hyper focus is there is Alabama because Alabama is one of the winningest programs in recent history. But it's just like, do we truly have parody at the college athletics level? 
I don't wonder. I, I don't. Did I'm we ever have video for this? And so people can see me. Like, <laughs> like you're know. just like working through this. I appreciate that. Like, I, but the thing is, is I'm with you. Like, if we're talking about like the actual results on the field in the championships won, right? Like, did we, has that ever been a thing? Has parody in college football ever been a thing? Or is college football more than, man, it, more than maybe almost any other sport has been dominated by a handful of schools over time and they just rotate like yeah. that's what I kind of feel like what his what really college football is about because it feels like you can kind of associate each decade with a different handful of dominant programs mm -hmm. and then that then one of them goes away and then they come back Alabama is a great example of this they were dominant before they went away Nick Saban came there and then they were amazing like I have it in front of me like since uh, Alabama he's been in Alabama since 2007 and 15 yes. seasons the Crimson Tide have, have appeared in nine national National championship games and won six so when yeah. he talks he's when 183 he, and 25 like yeah so when he talks about parody like is he can't possibly mean that he wants other teams to win no <laughs> like, and see i think that this is where there's a little bit of this with everything and honestly and i know you and i do this a lot i blame the ncaa for a lot of this um but we obviously part of this and i think this is where my my mind was kind of going as i was trying to work through this like i said i haven't spent i hadn't spent a lot of time on social media to absorb a lot of these conversations because i'll be honest with you i got really annoyed with this talking point last week as well and was like i'm done i just can't even sit here and watch people be so wrong um but yes there's a lot of conversation right now around the transfer portal and name image likeness and what those two are doing to each other what mm -hmm. they're doing for some schools what it's probably doing for the parity conversation for a school mm -hmm. like alabama alabama is having no issue if alabama goes to the transfer portal looking for someone it's getting just about anybody it wants unless that player is like I don't want to be the fifth string on this team. Like mm -hmm. there Saban is not having an issue with NIL. He's not having an issue with the transfer portal for him. Those things are pretty easy to work through. But when we talk about parity, that is not equal for other teams. There are other teams that are not going to benefit from NIL from the transfer portal in the way that Alabama is in like, unless you go and try to set up college football, like the NFL, which you cannot do because what, what would you do? Like tell some, you know, institutions, Hey, you can't have a football team anymore. Um, the NFL is probably like the closest you can get where you have an equal number of like teams, in a division, you have your salary caps, you have a draft, like you have all of this stuff to try to make things as equal as possible. Like still not all things equal, but even then right. it's like the closest you get, you can't do that in college football. But I think what is happening, and I think this is maybe, in, and I'm completely putting words in his mouth so I could be wrong. Um, but I think a lot of this conversation right now is coming from people sort of having hot takes around the transfer portal, around NIL no. and how to make the whole thing equal. Yeah, I mean, it's it, and it's wild because, A, I've said this all along throughout this entire discussion as it's kind of morphed and changed over the course of the offseason, is that the it's really the illusion of parity that I think that people miss. Um, and, may, and maybe that's what Saban also means. I don't know. I, I still I just don't know what what it is that he means. And I don't know what people mean in general when they say that they miss like the way that the sport used to be in in. Some of what I think they mean, though, is that they miss a time in which college football, how do I say this? 
like put more of an effort to be like a show in a way that, hey, we're not going to show you that, hey, people are being paid behind the scenes, but that's behind the scenes and it's just kind of whispered about and now you see it out in front, right? We're not going to show you that, hey, you know, People have been transferring forever and, team, and guys have been moving, but now it's just so much more publicized than it ever was before, especially when it comes to the really big name transfers, right? Like we, obviously we talk about them all the time um, mm -hmm. on, a, on a regular basis as well. And I always like to make the point that, you know, for every Casey Thompson and Oshawn Mathis, there are dozens of players that are transferring that we don't talk about at all, right? And I feel like you get such outsized coverage um, for a select few that it makes it seem bigger than it actually is so it's just a it's just a weird thing like and, and especially when it comes to the pay um aspect of it um we're, we're gonna we'll get more into some different name image and likes and stuff here in a little bit as well but i feel like people also are kind of burying their heads in the sand a little bit on that because i also like to say like there are all sorts of fun 30 for 30s that are built around this very topic right like the whole thing at smu was years ago now like and we know things like that have been happening like all the stuff with usc like insert sec school x like it, it happens all the time but i feel like people are very uncomfortable by the notion of the players being able to control more of this yes. and it being more in public here's the thing and i kind of go back to this one time i've been working covering nebraska athletics in some capacity for a decade now and probably one of the most impactful days of my career was the day I followed Adrian Martinez for our uh, yearbook feature I think that was what 2019 and following him around for that day and just listening to these student athletes and the experiences that they all have and like you think and this is I think maybe where um, I was trying to kind of wrap my head around this with Nick Saban is he, he mentions, you know, the same scholarship, same academic support, same healthcare, whatever it is. And the reality is not all things were ever equal for all of these student athletes. And I listened to Adrian and his teammates have conversations around this around at the time, you know, the rumblings of NIL were starting. And so they're mm -hmm. talking about, you know, what they think about it. And for some student athletes that are going, I, I don't need anymore. I'm good. I don't need to make money beyond it. I'm already getting a free education. I'm getting this and this and this, but that's not the same reality for all of those student athletes. They don't have the same access and availability as maybe some of their peers because they do have to deal with, you know, for some of these, for some of these student athletes, maybe they're helping um, pay the mortgage at their homes. Maybe they're trying to set their, in some cases, this is the most prominent their name will ever be. And so they're trying to take advantage of it. Um, I don't know. I just, I remember listening to them and I, I think that that was so impactful that day because observing them in real time, having these conversations about what parody and they weren't using the word parody. They're right. not like talking like that. But for me as an outsider, I'm sitting here and I'm like, they're literally having this conversation and they're just talking about it as like, Hey, have you heard this? Or what do you think about that? But that's the reality. Unfortunately, at the end of the day is that there is not like, there's never been in there's, it's never been equal. And I don't just say that with college football, but it goes across the board with all like take men's basketball has men's basketball had parody. Um, there's literal like conversations right now around like the Kansas basketball team. And 
should, you know, should there have, that's a whole deeper discussion. But anyway, my point is, is like, there's just so many sports. And so, and then you can start getting into the parody between sports and you can get into the parody. Like, I, I don't think Nick Saban was intending for this to bring up this bigger conversation, but you know, Lane Kiffin kind of points at it, points at it by saying, like, what's the parody that you're like I, that one tweet of like all of the teams that they have the active SEC winning streak over? And then he's like, <laughs> right. is this what you're talking about? Like, it's it's really I think it's a lot of this is getting convoluted right now because of all of the like really like fired up feelings around NIL, the transfer portal. I think people are like, I think it's kind of like a scapegoat for like a bigger conversation of people want it to be what it was. But the reality is what it was, was student athletes not having as much say, not having as much control over their futures within the sport and not being able to take, take advantage of this time in their life where their name and their image is the greatest it will ever be. And now that like that power has been placed, the athlete, I think we're unfortunately watching a lot of coaches, athletic directors, people in like, decision-making place places. And I'd even argue the media mm-hmm. who are really struggling with this because they want to go back to, to be quite frank, the good old boys club. And I say that cautiously because I don't think that's what Nick Saban was like. I, I don't think that was his intent, but I think it's really important in these conversations to be really mindful of what the impact of what we're saying is, because just, just because your intent is one thing doesn't mean that the impact can't be another. So I, I don't think it was like, I don't think he was like intending for us to take this as far as we have, but that's, the, that's kind of where I'm at right now is like, we're going to be having these conversations because people are going to keep saying things like this. Yes, absolutely. And I think that it's, it, it is, and I think it is unintentional. I do. I want to give him credit there. I think it's unintentional that he would then lead to the larger discussion or or that this would lend itself so easily to what is the larger discussion happening around college athletics at large right now. Um, and, it, and to me, so much of this comes back to something that we hit on earlier, which is the control aspect of this, right? And I think that you have a lot of people, whether it's, you know, administrators, coaches, especially, especially coaches and administrators, also media that like to see a certain level of control over student athletes. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. 
which actually leads me perfectly, <coughs> excuse me, until kind of the next thing and aspect of this that I wanted to talk about. Which is last week, we saw I was athletic director Gary Barda came out and had a kind of a wide ranging conversation. Uh, but one of the things, and I've got to read this quote verbatim because I don't even want to misquote him here. He had this to say about how to kind of fix, quote unquote, what's happening in college football right now. He said, quote, if you transfer, you can transfer. You don't lose your scholarship, but you must sit out a year because we can control that, Barda said. And then I think you would slow down some of the name, image, and likeness deals because a booster isn't going to offer a student athlete a big sum of money if they know if they come into our university they have to sit out a year but at the same time once the students there you can put together they can put together a name image and likeness package that they benefit from now he obviously went right there with the control aspect of this he said the quiet part out loud yes yes he 100 did but there's i think there's another layer to this as well is that yes you have a whole lot of people saying the quiet part out loud and you have a whole lot of people really telling on themselves about how much they want to control these student athletes the majority of which are black and brown right which cannot be kind of pushed to the side the other portion of this is is that we have different schools that obviously feel differently about how to approach NIL in in using it for recruiting purposes. Let me be clear there, because not every school is comfortable with that and not every school has the financial resources to do that. And I've made this point before on Twitter, I believe, where Gary Barta is in a unique situation. I think I've used Iowa as an example here. Iowa, Wisconsin, like Purdue would be someone like this in the Big Ten, where they don't have the financial means to do this. And so what do you have on the back end where uh, where you're going to be going up against, say, Ohio State, Michigan, or Nebraska, who are like, hey, we've got the money to throw around at different recruits should we choose to do that. Now, Michigan's not necessarily doing it, but Ohio State, Nebraska, different story, right? Mm-hmm. And so Iowa can't do it. So of course they want to be able to change the rules to make it harder for boosters and for kids to have to sit out because they can't go ahead and do it. So you have a self-interest um, aspect of this as well. So like, it's also a little ridiculous for it to be presented to us and i find that like gary barda is like i don't want to go as far as to say he's insulting my intelligence but i kind of feel that he is by saying oh i just want this to be better for college football as a whole when really everything he just said would be better for the university of iowa yeah the one thing i just want to point out really quick with what he said that i i so his comment that you know if you basically repeal the one-time transfer rule and then you have to sit out and then boosters and these collectives, whether they exist as collectives or not, whatever the future of them are, won't want to give a student athlete any money because they don't have to sit out. Like it just, it's kind of one of those things where um, I love listening to people who don't understand influencer culture, talk about influencer culture, because what he's essentially saying is like, why would a, why would somebody want to give money to a student athlete if they're going to sit out a year? And the reality is like, I understand that there's a, like with these collectives and some boosters, all they're trying to do is just incentivize a student athlete to come to a program over another. And I, my first question would be, does he not think that that still won't be the case if they're like, Hey, this person can help us a year from now. Right. It definitely makes things a little bit, you know, a little bit slower moving, but at the same time, I don't think it, it takes away from that. But I do think as NIL starts to kind of like, you know, slowly start to like relax itself people get used to it. 
a big piece of NIL is a big piece of NIL is influencing like the influencing culture the in, to become an influencer to be able to have somebody to uh, pay you to put things on your Instagram on your TikTok on whatever and like that's not going to stop just because you're sitting out if you have a big enough personality if you are somebody interesting you are still going to get tons of interest from people who are going to be like I want to work with you so let's say and this is a totally different sport but because all it seems that people care about is is football I'm going to switch outside of football. Let's say mm-hmm. Sedona Prince decides I'm going to leave Oregon and I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, Sedona Prince is always going to have people interested in advertising and working with her because mm-hmm. she is the selling point. To be quite clear, they don't really care at this point if she's playing for anyone. You are going to have those athletes where people are just like, they're, they've got these, they're big personalities. They've got a ton of potential. You know, maybe even a year from now, they're going to be the star that we know them to be. So what stops people from paying them? What happens when that happens? Are they going to be upset then? What What do you do then? <laughs> so I, I just think like, there's a lot of layers here where like, I, I understand what Gary Barta and everyone else is trying to do. So I want to just, again, put the blame back on the NCAA for a second because the NCAA kept kicking the can down the road on this. The NCAA did not want to legislate it, did not want to come up with, did not want to put any kind of rail guards up, did not want to be in charge of any of this. The NCAA was very much like, this is not our problem. This is your problem. Uh, Please, you know, go do X, Y, Z and just leave us out of a, leave us out of it and we'll figure it out later and have left all of these states and schools to have to figure it out for themselves. And now you have a whole bunch of people are really frustrated and they're frustrated because they don't necessarily understand the influencer culture and that whole world. They don't really understand what's like the booster part that was always really quiet is now very open and out in the, like, it's very out in the, public eye there you're just you're seeing a lot of people try to come up with solutions because they don't understand they just simply don't know what to do with this and they're trying to figure out so i will give him that he's trying to offer a solution because (laughs) at the end of the day there is going to have to be some kind of there is going to have to be some evaluation when it comes to Mm -hmm. nil and the transfer portal and everything else but i really i I really wish these, I really wish everyone would stop telling on themselves so much and like Gary Barty using the word control as part of the problem. But I really wish the NCAA would have just done everyone a favor and actually done its job because yes. we're in this situation where unfortunately we're going to keep hearing these really bad ideas because people are just desperate for some kind of answer. And the NCAA just doesn't seem overly like interested. <laughs> no, not unless they can get an antitrust exemption like that would, which is a whole ridiculous layer of this. And, and no one wants to hear that. Like in the reaction to that piece of it, of, of the NCAA trying to go to Congress to have Congress pass something, but Oh, by the way, if you guys pass something, we need you to continue to like uphold our antitrust exemption um, because that would open up a different can of worms for us. Um, it's crazy. Like it, it's ridiculous to me that that seems to be the, NCAA's top priority in this, not actually like maintaining and legislating its sport. I would also make the argument on, and it made me think of something when you're talking about, well, if, if you know, you make people sit out a year, that's not going to stop anything. I like quickly off the top of my head came up with a campaign for that because all you would have to do is, is company X would then like pay the student athlete to then document their time sitting out for the year. 
Like that's all that would be. It would be like you would see in your example, Sedona Prince is sitting out. You would see her workouts on TikTok sponsored by whatever. Like that's all it would be. It would just shift to a different thing. Um, so I don't think that that stops it either. Plus, it, and we've seen this across various sports when, you know, and it really wasn't that long ago when this was a thing, when players did have to sit out in a transfer, you've seen interest in those players is still high because mm -hmm. what is the talking point during that time? It's, oh, if that player was out there, I wonder how he or she could be performing or would that have helped the team? Would the team have won or performed differently if, if that person was out there? So that wouldn't that wouldn't make that go away either. Um, but I really don't want to lose the fact that I, I, I don't we're not going to really see. And I, I would be stunned if we did. Like, would is it burn the AD at, at Alabama? Would he come out and say this? Would he be the one that came out and said, hey, I think that, you know, guys should have to sit out a year before they can come to our school? Because, oh, by the way, we had like three of the top transfer um, football players come into our team this year. Like, you just wouldn't see that. Well, could you imagine if like Nebraska suddenly was like, oh, yeah, no, all of these like all this immediate help that we so desperately need is going to have to sit out for a year. Like, yeah, 13 yeah. of them right now at, as, as of May 16th. Yeah, <laughs> right I think now, like, like it's actually kind of interesting. I was just I just Googled Gary Barta's name with like recent news. And four weeks ago, there was a um, a column. So this is someone's opinion piece just saying that Iowa needs to pick up the pace in the NIL race. And I do think a little bit of that. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is um, I do think that there is a layer of, you know, teams that are sort of like trying to, everybody's trying to figure this out. But in Iowa's case, I do think there's a little bit of like probably feeling left behind to a degree. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, how do we fix this? And this is what we're going to do. But Actually, really interesting is when I Googled uh, Gary Barta's name, of course, uh, he comes up in a story right, so, like, right alongside the Nick Saban parody comments. And, you know, you also have um, Oklahoma State's men's basketball coach who doesn't like how NIL is being used, doesn't think this is how it was going to be, how it was intended. And the reality is like, no. The way NIL with these collectives and these big boosters just throwing money at players, like even if you're a Nebraska fan and you love the fact that Nebraska landed O'Shawn Mathis, the reality is that how O'Shawn Mathis was like brought to Nebraska is not the intention of NIL. It was that is not how NIL was original. Like, let's just be very like transparent on that. that yeah, is we can not, be clear on that. Yeah. That is not what NIL was intended for. But people saw these options and these opportunities to utilize NIL in that way, and there's nothing that is stopping them from doing that. So I'm not going to go and like condemn them for it. Um, but again, this really goes back to the NCAA because you have a whole bunch of people who are like, I don't like this. It's not how it was intended. My question for them is what was the intention of NIL? Because there was no, there was no one really truly leading on this. Right. Uh, like I said, the NCAA really didn't want to deal with it. And so now you have a lot of confusion. You have a lot of people who are upset. You have a lot of people who want to solve it and are trying to just throw things at the wall and hope something sticks. But it's just... Can you imagine going back on that now with a student athlete and telling them, yeah, that one-time transfer rule that you had available to you, now you don't. Right. Like, 
unfortunately, yeah, you ripped the bandaid off. There's no putting it back on. Instead, now I would challenge everybody instead of trying to take. So instead of having these parody conversations or instead of trying to be like, I want to go back to what this was instead of trying to go backwards. What does this look like in the future? What can NIL be? What can the transfer portal be? What does parody look like for college athletics now? Everyone is so focused on trying to pull from what has already existed that they're just failing to see what they can do going forward. Let's be a little more innovative here. How do you make this? How do you make, how do you find parity? How do you um, make the transfer portal a workable solution in the NIL world? Instead of like going, well, let's just go back to this. Who's got the idea that's like, let's do something new and different. And that's the problem is you have a lot of people who are kind of living in these old school. Um, it's a lot of older people, like no offense to everyone, but they're <laughs> older ADs and they're yeah. older coaches who are like, I, well, I, they're, they're pitching ideas from like what they would like to see from like 20 years ago, 10 years yeah, just ago. How do we like, get it back? <laughs> I need like, I need the Lane Kiffins to like not only kind of throw jokes, but come up with solutions. <laughs> We need the like, we need people who can be like, let's come up with what this can look like in the future. And even if you throw something at the wall and it's like, whoa, that's wild. Honestly, at this point, everything is like not great. It's all like all of the ideas coming out of everyone's mouths are bad. So like, I just feel like don't be afraid to suggest something. If you're a coach or an AD or somebody, a student athlete who's got an idea, throw it out there. Honestly, it can't be much worse than what people are doing right now because they're all panicking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be better to just have something. But it's also kind of ironic here that, you know, no one in, in the college athletics administration or coaching space is trying to put a Band-Aid on either coaches' salaries, um, which we saw explode, right? over this offseason or TV deals as we're right around the corner from the Big Ten potentially getting a billion dollar deal on whatever variety of services they end up taking that TV contract to. No one's trying to do anything about that. Like I bet you Gary Barta won't have a quote about that being needing to go backwards, right? So I just like, it, it's just always kind of like funny in a non haha way mm -hmm. about when it is that we really want to dial in on, you know, turning back the clock on how we kind of legislate various things. Like it's just all, and we like, we're going to have to figure out a way to move forward in the sport, to be able to continue to keep the sport, like, like relevant is not the right word, but you're going to have to keep it healthy moving forward but i don't think that the way is going to be to just turn back the rules like i, I just don't think that you're going to be able to do that like i don't like are you going to be able to take the portal away are you going to be able to like actually say no on that one-time transfer portal you definitely aren't going to be able to take nil away like because part of the reason is is that the original intent was not for this, right? And so it, it, maybe you would have to go back to what it was supposed to be, but that would be turning the clock back, what, four months? So it would just, it's just all, like, we're just in a, in a really interesting time when yes. it comes to college athletics. And it, it's very fascinating to me, but I, we do need, like, actual leadership to push things forward, not only look to take it back. And I think that leadership's going to have to come from unexpected places. Like truly, I think, mm -hmm. I think, you know, a lot of the people who are speaking up right now um, and 
no disrespect to Gary Barta, no disrespect to Nick Saban, no disrespect to any of these individuals, but you're hearing a lot of people, like I said, who come from a very different generation talking about this. And I think you're going to need an unexpected source to be the one to step up here. And um, I don't, I don't know, like, again, like, is it, is it Elaine Kiffin? Is it uh, heck, I know he's very much benefiting from the system as it currently works, but like, I'd be curious what Lincoln Riley thinks. Like we really Mm -hmm. need to start like tapping into, in my opinion, this next generation of coaches, but even go beyond that, start talking to their graduate assistants, start, start talking to the athletes themselves, start actually talking to the people that this is going to directly impact. Um, What do they think? What should it be like? Now you're going to find the people who are like, it should be a free for all. That's not what I'm interested in. Who's the person who has the groundbreaking idea that's going to change the way that NIL and the transfer portal function. And I do believe that there is a workable solution here, but getting there is not going to, it's, we're not going to get there if all we do is keep throwing out suggestions of going back to the way it was, because then all you're doing at the end of the day, which I mean, this is what happens when change when change happens. So when everybody wanted the playoffs, everybody wanted the college football playoffs, you get to the playoffs, it's four teams, there's not any parity. And now everyone's like, was the BCS that bad? Um, you did hear that. Like if oh, somebody, you definitely hear it. If anyone yeah. thinks I'm being like crazy with that, there was a period of time where people were like, maybe we should go back to the BCS format. And the reality is you're not going back how do you go forward? So you need to start having a conversation of like, do you expand the playoff? How do you, do you start doing auto bids from conference champions? Mm -hmm. Like you have to start having these conversations. You have to start making people uncomfortable. You have to start putting, I mean, a lot of people made fun of fun of made fun of central Florida. The year that Scott Frost won beat Auburn became quote unquote national champions. A lot of people like to make fun of that, but I want to point out that it was actually not a bad thing that UCF made as big of a deal as it did about that because it pointed out a flaw in the system. So the question is, is how do you fix that flaw? We haven't fixed it yet, but these are conversations that people need to have. It need to be willing to have. So this is kind of where I'm at right now with this. You're not going back. You're just not, you're not going back, but how do you go forward with what we have now? Knowing that the NCAA has absolutely no reason to lead on this. And I would suggest somebody come up with a plan before the federal government manages this themselves, because when the federal government gets involved, you don't know what that's going to look like. And I'm going to be, I'm going to just tell you, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that the individuals that are pushing for some kind of legislation there. Now there are some, like I know Cory Booker, for instance, has been very, very engaged in this. And I, I think he could be somebody who could come up with some really interesting ideas, but you have a lot of other, again, you have a lot of people who don't understand NIL. You don't have a lot of people who understand influencing culture. You don't have a lot of under, like you have again, the same thing of a lot of people who would love to go back and we have to stop finding the people who want to go backwards. And we need to start finding the people who want to go forward. And I, like I said, I would love it if the NCAA would lead on this. I don't suspect that they will. So somebody, an unexpected source within the college athletics world is going to have to come up with this, come up with the plan. Start coming up with the plan. <laughs> that's, that's just the reality of where we're at. 
Yeah, and I, I think that for the man, the, the idea that the federal government is going to have to come into this space um, and really take everything over. It should be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, like there's just a lot of different ways um, that that could go poorly. Um, and, and I think that that's a, mm -hmm. a really big be careful what you wish for uh, type of a situation for, for all parties involved, right? It, it, even the NCAA, who seems to think that that's a magic bullet um, for all of this. Well, yeah, I, the NCAA I, is pushing where they're like, oh, the federal government should figure it out. And it's like, stop pushing this on other people to figure out for you. This is your literal job job right solve it they're not going to they have no interest in it so it's going to have to be some somebody somewhere within the college athletics world is going to have to i like i said if they're it, it's not it's not even just it's not just college football it's not just men's basketball this mm. this affects every sport at every level within the ncaa and so i like if there is a student athlete out there right now that has an idea go tell someone let's yeah. get like let's start pitching some ideas here because unfortunately if we don't start getting some new ideas it's just going to keep coming back to the same people saying the same things i want it to be like it was i want to go back to the way it was i want to make it this or that or this and everybody loves the transfer transfer portal when it benefits them they hate it when it doesn't and and everybody loves what NIL can do for them until it goes against them. Okay. So at some point, we have to find a workable solution that, you know what, tough, tough, tough to some schools that are going to, if Iowa loses out on a player because they want to go somewhere else because they see an opportunity to make money, it is what it is. It will happen to everyone. The idea is at some point this will balance itself out, but let's get a plan in place that's actually like a workable solution. And I'm saying a lot of this without having an, a, a solution myself. All I know is my solution would not be to just go back to the way things were. Right, because that's not really actually a solution um, that's really just being restrictive when, when you have the opportunity to push it forward. Uh We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Um, now, every week we end the show with a segment called Put Them On Blast, where we basically put someone on blast for something that they did or said. Put them on blast. 
Um, I'm actually going to go first this time. Um, and, and I'm going to go. Okay. So I'm going to say this real quick because I got to make an honorable mention that I really wanted to go with the Phoenix Suns um, just because it was hilarious what happened to them um, yesterday with, with them getting blown out by Dallas and Luka Doncic having the same amount of points as them in the first half. But that is not where I'm going to go. I am actually going to go with Fox Sports. Um, and. I feel weird about this in one way, but in another, I don't. So last Thursday, it was reported that Tom Brady signed a 10-year, $375 million deal uh, to join the you know broadcast booth for Fox after he is done playing with this year, which will be his final season in the NFL. Um, and I just, my question there is, for what? Like, I don't I don't understand what's happening here. And the reason why I, I feel weird about this is that I, I would never advocate for someone to turn down $375 million should they present it to me. Um, Aaron, if you want to give me $375 million after we get off of this podcast, I am totally fine with it. I will accept it right now. <laughs> But she as she laughs. But I like I don't understand what you're getting for this. Like what is what like what real benefit is Fox getting from paying someone three hundred and seventy five million dollars to be in the broadcast booth? And the reason that I keep saying the number is that it's so his per year average obviously then comes out to thirty seven and a half million dollars. Tony Romo is the next highest paid broadcaster at $18 million. Um, and then you've got a couple other guys in that range. Like we don't know what Chris Collinsworth is at. Kirk Herbstreet just got, I think it was $10 million from Amazon um, in large part because they're just starting things up. Like I just, and then you have um, former ESPN president, John Skipper, who was on the Dan Levitard show not that long ago and said that, quote, I never saw a scintilla, great word, of evidence that people in the booth changed the rate, changed the ratings even by a smidgen so if we think that ratings are changed by great matchups and great games what are you actually getting for that money so fox sports is getting put on blast for that um because i just find that ridiculous like why did you have to go so far outside of the norm but also i would take 37 and a half million dollars a year yeah, I mean, I don't blame him for for uh, turning it down, for accepting it. Like, not at all. Like, I don't blame him at all. But at the same time, like, I do think that they're – so this is actually one thing. Like, this isn't me putting them on blast, but I am agreeing with you that, like um, – the issue I run into is there are a lot of people who do a lot of work and they go to school, they spend years uh, perfecting their craft. And the issue that you run into a lot of times is there's a difference between journalists and media personalities, but the general public does not always understand mm -hmm. that. And so then when, you know, somebody doesn't like Tony Romo, um, they go and they compare Tony Romo to, um, whomever and i i think that that's going to be something that you're going to see as a challenge as more and more of this happens where people are paying for these big big time media personalities and i mean you're even seeing it on smaller scales where and this this isn't me putting this on blast because he's amazing but like um I mean, you're seeing more and more where like even BTN goes and finds former athletes because they want to get them on. And now there are there are people like I would argue Kenny Bell, who is who is I like I said, I didn't want people to be like, you're you're slamming him. No, he's actually put in a lot of work to keep yeah. getting better and better at what he's doing with BTN. And he's created a series with them. He's done a lot of really good digital content, I think. You can really, and so I don't want to say that like Tom or anybody else can't become great, but my point is with those certain individuals when there's so much money attached to it, 
is I could see somebody being like, well, hold up. He's getting paid so much money. And it just, it becomes, it becomes a situation where people don't quite know the difference of like, this is a true media personality. This is a personality, not necessarily a journalist. And that is going to be something that's going to be kind of hard to break through those. Like, it's just a great line. And (laughs) I don't know if any of that made sense. Somebody out there is going to be like, are you saying that Kenny's bad? Kenny is great. He puts in the work. I'm just saying you're seeing more and more where people want to go and find former athletes, former personality, like former, um, I mean, heck, even at Hill Varsity, we've done that with mm. uh, we've had Jay Moore and Jay Foreman on our networks before. Like there's so much value in their perspective. But when there's that much money attached to it, <laughs> yeah. that I think that's the the point I'm ultimately making here. So that is just a large sum of money that people are going to have very high expectations. And if it doesn't deliver on those expectations, then it becomes <sighs> But I also think it's a, there's also the point, and when you make the the difference or the distinction between a big a personality like a media personality and a journalist, there just really isn't a path for tra- for a traditional journalist to get to that level of money. Like yeah. you're just not going to see it. Like, and that's not even. It sounds like I'm just hating, but it really isn't. Like even if even like Stephen A. Smith is a really great example of this. Skip Bayless is another really great example of this, where people have now kind of forgotten that at one time they were journalists, right? Because of like what they do now, you just tend to forget that. But you forget that Skip was down there at the Dallas Morning News for years, right? Like mm-hmm. like during that 90s Cowboys run, he was like the guy down there for that before he became kind of the talking guy on TV. Stephen A, the same way, in, I think it's the Philadelphia Inquirer, um, and how he kind of came up during like that time with Allen Iverson during that. So like but and those guys get paid millions of dollars to be clear but i'm i don't want to say because i don't know for sure but i don't think it's 37 and a half million oh no i I think it's a lot but it's not that right and like so even for people like that who are the top one percent of earners in the business that started out as journalists like they're not even going to get to that level like it's just a totally different thing, and and i could and i don't know and i would have to think and really look into this if there's another example of like someone who started off like as a journalist and made that level of money, not to mention if we start to get into the breakdown of Stephen A is like the one black guy doing it. There are really no women that are doing it. Like it just does, that does not exist. Um, and so it's here's, just a lot. The thing. There's a lot has, there. Has anyone made, has anyone made um, uh, a big, has anyone made a big deal to Sue Bird? Have they made, have they offered her a giant contract? I mean, everyone loved her at the NCAA yeah. women's her tournament. Her and Diana were was, great. <laughs> yeah. Ha, have they been offered anything major? Have they been given a, you know, million, 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 million dollar deal by mm. one of the major networks to continue doing those things? And now maybe they will, maybe you'll see some of that, but like, this is a very different level. So yes, I would say, um, people of color and women are disproportionately not receiving these opportunities. And um, maybe, maybe Tom Brady goes on to be the absolute best uh, broadcaster that we've ever seen in our lifetime. He certainly has a personality that people enjoy watching Mm -hmm. and I respect that. Um, But at the same time, at some point, you actually have to like start expanding and be 
like I was just looking at my water bottle. I have this sticker on my water bottle that literally says more women's black, Latina, indigenous, Asian, LGBTQ plus voices in sports. And I, somebody out there is going to hear this and be like, just stop making it like, no, it's really important that there is representation because representation does matter. Um, That is not to say that someone like Tom Brady can't have the opportunity that he's receiving. But at the same time, I would just challenge the networks to like ask themselves what they give. Are they giving those same opportunities elsewhere? And can they be more inclusive? And the answer is yes, they always can. Um, If they've got that kind of money, they could have certainly like, siphon some of it off and given it elsewhere too like think of how many people you could have hired into roles for that amount of money but so it sounds like we we put the same people on blast but i assume you came ready with a different person to put on blast it's it's actually pretty fitting i'll keep it short um who i'm putting on blast if you listen to the mind your own podcast this last week i spoke about this and it's something that's still kind of been bothering me um, I want to put on blast the people who have to make comparisons between women's and men's sports as some example. Now, I, I said this on the Mind Your Own podcast. If you are somebody who goes, oh, I saw someone talking about this. Is this about them? It's not about any one individual because I, I'm not even kidding. I've seen this argument no less than 10 or 12 times in like the last week uh-huh. from different people. In fact, if I'm just looking at like the Huskers hashtag on Hale Varsity, especially when Nebraska uh, softball won the uh, Big Ten tournament, became Big Ten tournament champions, the amount of people just tweeting about this was unreal. So, like, I just want to point out that this is not a direct attack at anyone. I just want to caution people, and I'm going to put you on blast a little bit, that if you continue to do this thing where you're like, wow, look at how much better the women, the Nebraska women's sports are than the men's sports, I understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to celebrate what the women have been able to do and the success of the women, uh, primarily volleyball, um, women's basketball and softball are the three sports that people are referencing Mm -hmm. in in comparison to football, men's basketball and baseball without really thinking about the fact that there are a lot of other sports that you could dive into the success of the men's gymnastics teams. For instance, there's a lot of the women's bowling team. There's all of these areas and these sports that are kind of conveniently getting forgotten in this discussion, but What you are ultimately saying, whether you realize it or not, is that the success is believed to be with the men. The men should be the successful ones. And because they're not, and the women are, it's shocking. So men, like you should be better because look what the women are doing. It's not your intent. I get it. It's not your intent, but it is the impact. And I am putting that on blast because I'm really tired of this. Like I'm tired of people celebrating quote unquote, celebrating these women's, the women's success in comparison with the lack of success by a men's team. Stop doing that. Women can be a successful independent. And I get it's an easy comparison to make, especially when you are frustrated. If you are somebody like at Nebraska, who's frustrated with the football team, the men's basketball team, the baseball team, I get it. You don't have to tie those to the women's teams because there, there are a lot of men's sports that have been doing really well at Nebraska this year that are not that are conveniently also not getting mentioned in this conversation. So I'm just putting this this argument on blast because it is not doing what people think it's doing. And I just would like it to stop. Celebrate the success of people. Hold. You can celebrate the success of one team and ask to hold another team accountable without needing to tie those two together. You don't have to you don't have to do that. The success of softball 
is not a comparison point to the lack of success of baseball. Those two things are independent of one another and should be. You don't have to be critical of baseball by being celebratory of softball. Those two can be independent. Just stop doing that is all I'm asking. I, I think that that's a very worthy blast. And I think that it's, I, I always find that weird, um, to be honest, that like, I just don't understand why people's, like, I kind of do, but I don't understand why people have to make that comparison um and it, it does come up all the time like i, I see it uh, i see it all i think it's coming from a point of frustration because i see it a lot with fans I, I i have seen some people in the media start to kind of re share yeah. this idea as well i think it comes from a point of frustration of pointing out where there hasn't been success in some areas and you know that I can, I can understand and appreciate the frustration and wanting to see a team that you support be better. But like I said, as somebody who is kind of watching this from an outside perspective, how it comes across, and again, your intention is different than your impact. So if you're like, I made this argument and I'm listening to this and that wasn't my intent, I want you to know, I know it wasn't your intent. I'm telling you the impact of your statement. I'm not telling you the intention of your statement your impact is basically saying that the men's teams are the ones, let me repeat this again. I said it just a minute ago is that the men's teams are the ones that are expected to be the winners and they're not right now. The women are. So look at like, you are essentially making a comparison point that like it is look at like what the women are doing and like the men should be the ones who are doing this. And I get that that's not what you mean, but that's how it sounds. You can just celebrate the success of teams without having to compare them to another. Just, go be excited about what Nebraska softball is doing. And also if you're somebody who's going like, where did this team come from? Um, they, they've come from like, they were, they were on that upward trajectory in 2021 with that, with just the big 10 schedule with it not having. So like, this is what I'm saying is like, instead of trying to make these comparison points, just like go watch the team, just like go enjoy it because you will learn that like this team has been like getting ready to like go for a while. And it's kind of fun to like sit back and just enjoy that process. So all of that to say, just go enjoy things and don't have to make comparisons. You can still go be critical. If you want to go be critical of football and men's basketball and baseball, by all means, you have every right to be critical, hmm. but you don't have to tie it to the success of the women's teams is all I'm saying. Like leave those arguments separate, go be critical here and then just go enjoy the ride over here because they, they deserve that without you, you tying those two together. Yes, absolutely. They deserve that. And that's going to do it for our, for our podcast today. Uh, subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you leave four, I'm inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure that you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, Nebraska Press Post Game Show, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. Also, check out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. We'll be back on there with another recruiting question of the week video. You can find us on Twitter at GregSmithHB and at Aaron Sorensen. I will catch you all next week. A Huda Media Production.